it's very encouraging to me. And I love getting a call or message where someone is saying, Jesse, I'm reaching out to you to find out more about what you're doing, this infinite banking idea, because so-and-so, my good friend, family member, whoever, trusts you, and I trust you. That means so much to me. Even with that said, what I'm looking to do is to educate and teach and encourage you along your own path to knowing what's going on. Because what I believe is that when we know what's going on, we'll know what to do for ourselves. Hello and welcome to the Durham Talents channel. My name is Jesse Durham. Welcome to another episode of our question and answer series where I'm going to address your questions and comments that we have in person, online, digitally, for the benefit of all. This first quote is, if you have a 50,000, perhaps I should preface, uh, this individual was making some comments on the channel, and we're happy for all traffic, as long as it's decent and in order, of course. Uh, this was perhaps combative. Regardless, the comments was positioning against whole life insurance, practicing infinite banking, privatized banking by touting buying term insurance and investing the difference. Okay, so an age old debate. If you have a $50,000 death benefit and a $0 cash value, you cannot borrow. That's one part of that comment. If you have a $50,000 death benefit and $0 cash value, you cannot borrow. This person was trying to point out that when you're making a policy loan, you are leveraging, you are borrowing against the cash values of your policy, which is correct. And I was glad to see that because even that is an issue that we have addressed here and we'll continue to address because it's a misconception and like R. Nelson Nash has said in his book, Becoming Your Own Banker, most folks' understanding of life insurance is based off of someone else's misunderstanding. And they think that you're borrowing your own money and then paying the insurance company interest, which is not so. But that was well said, that particular part, that you are borrowing against your cash values. That is the collateral, which is why I would say once someone understands infinite banking concept and they have a policy and, and they are going to access capital, uh, a policy loan is preferable to a withdrawal, although both of those are at your disposal. Again, the whole idea here is becoming your own banker. If you want to make a withdrawal, make a withdrawal. But once you recognize that that will interrupt the compounding of the premiums that you're paying and that otherwise, if you would use a policy loan and you would not be interrupting the compounding of those premiums, then there's there's good reason to use a policy loan instead. And then when you tack on a couple of other factors, such as, you know, if you're getting a dividend from that company, which is not guaranteed, but again, if you have a policy with a company that's paid a dividend for well over 100 years, you have a highly respectable anticipation of further dividends in the future. And once you are awarded a dividend, it can't be taken back. So all that to say, if you have a $0 cash value, can you leverage $0? No, I agree. If there's nothing there, there's nothing there. Now, my questions, of course, though, are going to be, how did we arrive at $50,000 of death benefit? 
and then therefore how did we arrive at $0 cash value? Because in a properly structured, properly structured whole life policy, these are going to be questions that, that I, I can't speak for anyone else, but for myself, I'm going to be asking these questions. And, and the natural one of, well, sure, there's nothing wrong with considering what kind of coverage you should have on yourself because of your business and family situation, all the variables, everything that should be catered to you because of those considerations that are indicative of your exact individual situation. Instead of this cookie cutter approach of 50,000, 100,000, half a million, a million, I mean, how do we get to those numbers is a valid question of protection. There's nothing wrong with getting adequate protection. Everyone should be adequately protected. Now, that's completely overlooking banking, though. Actually, what Nash says is, in fact, if we will not disregard the death benefit, but if we will actually address whatever your need of finance may be, and we build a system of policies to that purpose, then you're going to ultimately end up with more death benefit than you could have been underwritten for from the start. So, yes, if there's no cash value there, you can't borrow against zero. That's Those are arbitrary numbers is, is what I'm saying. And in a properly structured policy, such as I own, such as I recommend, and I personally own multiple policies with multiple companies, I've continuously bought these kinds of privatized banking policies, whole life policies from mutual companies that pay dividends for the past seven years now. From the beginning, and, and when I say the beginning or when I begin to talk about how I immediately accessed the capital in my policies or from my very first policy seven years ago, my definition of immediately is within 30 days. Within 30 days of that policy going in force, me beginning to pay premiums, I had a lot of things that I wanted to begin doing. I started that first policy, my wife and I did, with a plan, with a purpose, with intention. And we immediately, within 30 days of that policy going in force, began to access our cash values for the things that we were going to finance anyway. And then we've been practicing infinite banking ever since. We've probably made every mistake that you could have made along the way. But we read and we studied and we used these policies. So, yes, if there's no cash value, you cannot use that as a collateral to, <laughs> to get a policy loan. Absolutely. Agreed. But how did we get there? The next comment from this individual was, by term and investing the difference is way... <laughs> That's me trying to give them an accurate quote. Way better process, uh, a better process, to buy a cheaper term policy and keep your cash. Now, the first part makes no sense to me. Or rather, I should say it is it is redundant to say that buying term is way better process to buy a cheap term policy. Yes, if you want to buy term, buy term. If you want to buy term, buy term. It very well may be appropriate for someone to have term policy. A term policy very well may be appropriate. It's even appropriate at times to have a term rider on 
a whole life insurance policy. To build out the whole life insurance policy, and, and there are other writers, um, perhaps the most important, the one that we talk about the most here, is going to be the paid-up additions writer, but it may be necessary, or it may even behoove someone to have a term writer, a, a longer-term, level term, attached to that whole life insurance policy. Structure matters. I can't stress that enough. Structure matters. Having a quality conversation for your particular instance, for my particular instance, what it is that we need, how it is that we're going about doing things. But the part about keeping your cash, that's what's interesting to me. See, this idea that's being proposed of, well, by term, let's sidestep that because we've, we've covered that at length here on the channel. Check out some of our videos like the controversy of whole life insurance and infinite banking. Let's sidestep that part right there and focus on that comment about keep your cash. What do you mean by keep your cash? That's my question. So the, the whole reason I'm going over comments like this, because I would much rather, because I don't believe that this was um, commented for any other person purpose than for this person just to be combative. And that's fine. It comes with the territory. But why I'm choosing to spend some time talking about such a comment, even though that I know that, or I suppose, that from that person based off based off of their response, because I responded to the comment. Now, I, I look forward to responding to comments. It, I don't know how well received it was. And I was polite, encouraging. But these comments were, were made with what seems to me to be a closed mind. But I don't mind talking about the issues that are brought up for the benefit of others who are like myself, perpetual students, fighting the arrival syndrome, open to learning. Keep your cash. Well, that we can all get on board with keep your cash. Absolutely. But what do you mean by keep your cash? Well, okay, if I could pay a fraction of what I would otherwise pay for a whole life insurance and get the term insurance that I want just to have the coverage that I want, what, what does that look like, keeping my cash? Do I put it under a mattress? Does it get stuffed in a coffee can or a mason jar? Does it go into a savings account, a checking account, a mutual fund, a single stock, cryptocurrency, precious metals, commodities, real estate, bonds? I mean, just on and on and on and on. And I'm not making investment advice here, but I'm asking... What do you mean by keep the money? If you if this is your initial gut response, and I get it, if we're only talking price point, term versus whole life insurance for the same amount of coverage, if if that's the only consideration, and I suggest that we be more open-minded than that, but if that's the only consideration, I get it. But still, where would you put the difference? So I'm not making investment advice, but again, I'll point out what, the whole idea of becoming your own banker is, is if you'll account for your need of finance, you don't just want to spend your cash or keep your cash. It's a way to control the banking function in your life or in your business or in your investing or all of it. It's a way for you to build appreciating assets that can systematically over the course of your life be built and accrued and help you to account for your entire need of finance as a household, as a small business owner, as a big business owner, as an investor. 
help you account for that. That way, you have somewhere to amass capital with lots and lots of beneficial characteristics. You can freely deploy that capital for your use, and you still maintain that appreciating asset that will allow you to recapture principal dollars, interest dollars, profits, and you just grow and you develop and you expand your system. So keep your cash where? Where? Also, why? Why keep your cash? Some good questions. To what purpose? To what purpose? Those are good questions. Now, the next comment that I have, and, I, and I'm going to mention this comment and get this out of the way, is I love these kinds of phone calls. Recently had a phone call where a gentleman came on and was letting me know how he had become aware of me and, and who had referred him. And I love that. I love getting referrals. I love it when people that we do business with and that, you know, we educate and that we write business for and that we talk to and that we build these relationships with when they bring people uh, that end up making a phone call or email. I love that. And it was very encouraging what was said to me. This gentleman said that, you know, well, so-and-so trusts you. So I trust you. And I made sure, and, and I, that's why I'm putting it on video and, and audio right here now. I, I, that's not the first time that I've had that said to me. And I appreciate that very, very much. And I immediately also went into our conversation that we would have had otherwise. And I made sure to point out that I can't say how much that I appreciate that kind of a relationship with, with clients and friends. I love it. But also how important it is for us to be able to, with our, with our education, with the value that we bring in these phone calls and emails and the podcasts and the video and everything that we're doing, that the value that we are bringing speaks for itself, it stands alone, and that that, in fact, is what, over the course of time, is going to lead to new friendships and new relationships and, and new business and new connections. You know, folks that we will get to encourage and cheerlead and write business for on their journey of becoming their own banker. So I just, it's a way for me to say thank you uh, to everybody that is liking and commenting and viewing and plugging in and, and, and channeling your own time and efforts into your education and continuing on this path, whether you're a client or a prospective client or a guest, you know, and especially for those that end up making a connection with us and that we work with that, that say something like that. I appreciate it. I appreciate it very much. I'm humbled by it and I look forward to proving that out through our work together. Our next question is, I don't have to pay back policy loans. And this was a conversation with a prospective client who we were not even on our first phone call because they were going to be spending time, of course, as I encourage, reading Nash's book, listening to his to his audiobook, becoming your own banker, listening more to the channel. Because all we're doing is putting out our best practices from over the past several years of being consumers ourselves. My wife and I, buying policies, using policies, growing our knowledge in the infinite banking concept, making mistakes along the way, sure. Um, and anything that we could do to speed up folks' growth curve, that's what I'm all about here is speeding up that growth curve. So paying back policy loans. Here are the three rules of banking, okay? 
pay yourself first. Pay yourself with interest. Recapture the money. So again, having a privatized banking system means that you're the banker. You are both the owner and the consumer. So like any good business, like any good asset, have it capitalized. Pay yourself first. That's the priority. Pay yourself first. Pay yourself with interest. Now, get to the third. Recapture that money. Anytime money's borrowed, there's going to be a cost to that money. There's going to be interest to that money. There very well may be profits associated with the use and the deployment of that money. So naturally, if we're going to go to a bank or if we're going to go to any other third party and pay an interest, why would we not pay interest to ourselves? Why would we not value our own money like a commercial bank's money? And the only thing better, and we could use any example here, this is the infinite banking concept, but the only thing better than buying a car, taking a vacation, covering a child's wedding cost, putting someone through college, acquiring business equipment, whatever the case may be, building a new house. The only thing better than doing any of those things or anything else that we could conceive, because we're at the we're we're limited only by the extent of our imagination on how we can use the infinite banking concept. The only thing better than doing any of those things is doing those things, buying a car and getting the money back. Amassing that capital in an appreciating asset in and of itself that we own and control, where compounding will continue uninterrupted, and yet we can still access and deploy that capital for the procuring of a car. And then we're going to pay interest to ourselves because we would pay interest anywhere else. And we do so not only willingly, happily, because all that is is more capital that, and then here we get to step number three, will be recaptured back into our system. If the commercial bank loans us money that probably was created out of thin air, Let's not go on a deep dive right there just yet, I don't suppose. But if they loan us money, they expect that back. They expect it back with the interest. They expect it back on our terms. So we're just cutting them out and we're acting independently, autonomously in the capitalization of a privatized banking system that we own and control. And then we're making the choices, not based off of a credit score or two years of financials or our firstborn or a kidney or anything else. We access capital on our terms, pay that back with interest, and then recapture all of that back into our privatized system. The principal, the interest, profits, just any of it, all of it. Pay yourself first, pay yourself with interest, recapture the money. Now, when he was asking, so I don't have to pay the policy loan back? No. The answer is no. You don't have to pay a policy loan back. When I call an insurance company or you call an insurance company as a policy owner of a mutual life insurance company policy, whole life policy, you're not going to be asked what that policy loan is for. You're not going to be asked when and how much you anticipate paying back, how often. They just want to know how much of the accessible capital you want sent to you and where you want it sent to. How much and where to send it to. That's it. The idea is you're becoming your own banker. 
So if you decide that you want to pay that back over the next 10 years, you could do that. If you want to pay it back over the next 10 days, you could do that. If you never want to pay it back, you don't have to. Now, I'm not encouraging that. And that's what I stress with this individual. And I appreciate Chris for asking that question. We are becoming our own banker. This idea of have to versus get to. See, I get to own that policy. I get to access uh, by contractual right. I get to access capital in a known interest environment without interrupting the compounding of the premiums that I have paid. I get to receive a dividend and then choose and elect how I want that to be applied in my life. Money sent to me, buying paid up additional insurance, whatever the case, reducing premiums, whatever it is. It's a mental change. And that's what Nash says. Infinite banking, it's an exercise in a, a few things. He said imagination, prophecy, reason, and logic. But it's a paradigm shift. It's the most simple thing. It's you becoming your own banker. That's it. But it's a paradigm shift. So the idea that we get to decide, when am I going to pay this back? What kind of interest am I going to give myself? Because I, I want my system to be well capitalized. And am I even going to pay it back at all? And I could point out here for, for those that are practicing, there may be times where it is beneficial for you to leverage the cash values that you have to, to do the things that you want to do, growing businesses, making investments, whatever it is that you've decided to do, running your household. And if you have a reasonable anticipation of a windfall of money, well, the question is going to be, well, what do you do with that? Where do you put it? And every when we realize that every premium dollar that we pay through a policy just contributes to the future growth of that policy, it may be beneficial at strategic times to have a void that can be filled. So let's say you had a significant and significant just going to be whatever would be significant for you. Decimals move left and right. But if you had a void, if you had a policy loan balance that that windfall could fill up and it's just going to add to your plan, it's just going to be fuel to your fire, the things that you're already doing, great. That's fantastic. Perhaps it'd be time to get a new policy. But the point there is that you're becoming your own banker. These are the things that you get to decide. And of course, we're here and we're happy to answer these questions and explain some different dynamics of situations that we've experienced and that others have experienced so that it will be helpful to you in your journey of becoming your own banker. Chris, thanks for the question. Another question that I got recently over the phone was from a gentleman who was asking me about Index Universal Life. We've had discussions before. We've shared different book titles with each other and swapped some ideas before, talked about financial things. It's been good conversation always. I enjoy it. Noah, if you're listening, maybe I'll keep your name in here. Maybe I won't mention it and I'll cut that out. But um, I was asked about in Index Universal Life. And what it, what this young man had said was that I'd heard that you could get 5% with an Index Universal Life policy. Is that what you do? Because he knows I do something in life insurance. Um, you know, I, of course, referred him to Nash's book and uh, giving them the channel and the podcast information. And, and we had a conversation on it. 
And I told him why I did not personally own any variable life or universal life. I personally own whole life insurance with mutual companies that pay dividends and that have done so for a very long time, over 100 years. And that's what I recommend to folks. That's the kind of business that I write myself. And then our conversation led to why. Now, what I would tell you is you can check out page 39 in Becoming Your Own Baker and see and read Nelson's thoughts on universal life and variable life and whatnot. And and there, there are a few key issues that have personally had me to steer away from it or from writing business um, using those particular policies. And that is that first and foremost, it's not thinking long range enough. I'm not just seeking a particular rate of return now and not into the future. So these policies that stand to fall apart because they're not built for the long range because the one-year term that is associated with those kinds of policies becomes prohibitive to maintain in the future, that's that's a problem. That's a problem. The longer range we can think, the better off. And I don't want to get to, and I don't want any any of our clients' friends to be getting to the our 60s and our 70s and begin having prohibitive issues with policies, uh, self-cannibalizing and um, becoming prohibitive in their in their in their costs to maintain one-year term insurance on top of that universal policy or what have you. So the idea of unbundling life insurance from what others call this this savings feature of, of whole life, we pick whole life because it lasts your whole life. Now, that's thinking long range. A, a, a 121 policy... 120-year policy, that's a long time. And getting a guaranteed death benefit, getting guaranteed access to cash values that are simply going to compound and grow day over day, week over week, month over month, year over year. That's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for additional exposure to risk. I'm not looking to assume more risk. I'm looking to mitigate risk. I'm looking to offset risk. And with a whole life policy, when I have agreed to pay a certain amount of premium that I, that I want to pay, everything else is on the insurance company at that point to perform. It's a unilateral contract. I pay this premium, and then there's a certain guaranteed death benefit. Growth, protections, separation from market volatility, just so many different things, access to capital, known interest environments, lots of things that make whole life insurance the ideal asset. Whole life insurance, the ideal vehicle to use for privatizing our banking. I'm not looking to assume any more exposure or, or risk um, than, than I need to, than I, than I want to in, the, in that, in financing in the banking function. Now, I know that different folks have different levels of risk tolerance. That's great. I'm not talking about investments. I'm not making investment advice. What I'm saying is don't just try and chase a 
a 4%, 5%, 12%, whatever the case may be, rate of return, like this gentleman was saying, well, I heard you could get a 5% rate of return. That's the, that is the wrong way. <laughs> I don't, listen to how I'm saying this, please. That's the wrong way to look at the issue of who controls the banking function in your life, or at least it's sidestepping. It's completely overlooking the true problem, which is who controls the banking function as it pertains to you. Not where can you get the best rate of return? Of course we want the best rate of return. I'm not talking about investing. Nash wasn't talking about investing. We're talking about how to privatize the banking function in your life for your investing if you want to invest. And then there, sure, you want to uh, pursue the best rates of return that you can. Absolutely. But this is not about investing. This is about how can you procure appreciating assets that can act as a privatized banking system for your family, for your business, for your investing. So I hope that that's been helpful. And again, I would encourage you to reach page 39 in Becoming Your Own Banker by R. Nelson Nash. And if these questions and comments have been helpful to you, I'd love to have your feedback in our comment section. And if you'd personally like to have a conversation about how to implement the infinite banking concept into your business or your household or your investing, then you can reach me at 828-817-4223 or you can email DurhamTalents at gmail.com. This has been a great pleasure for me. I look forward to our next conversation. Have a great day. Take care. Went further down? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. It's good. It's fun. Hello and welcome to the Durham Talents channel. My name is Jesse Durham. We're going to smile because normal people like that. <laughs> you know, if you have $50,000 in death benefit and $0 cash value, you cannot borrow. Is that condescending? It is. It's patronizing and condescending and funny. <laughs> London and Muppy <laughs>